welcome back to the Eucatropolis Podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. This week, we dive into some very deep musical waters. We discover the concept of fringe chord twins, as well as audio ink blots. We look at why it's so good for your soul to hum and mumble while you play, and how old books can help you write new lyrics. Very open-ended episode that covers topics that are very dear to my heart. I hope you enjoy it. And don't forget, the Euctropolis podcast is taped live on the first Thursday of every month. And you can go to euctropolis.com slash podcast to find out how you can be part of the next live taping. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy this week's episode. Okay, so many of you know that Booster Uke is one of the most popular courses on Uketropolis. And even if you don't have the course and if you haven't taken the lessons, you may know about the magic of chord twins. Chord twins, very briefly, are pairs of chords that share the same shape. So a good example would be uh, G6 and D7. We just use the same hand frame, but we jump the chord shape laterally (laughs) across the strings to get two different um, chords. It's like using a cookie cutter. One cookie cutter, but I get two cookies, depending on where I put it on the fretboard. I'm kind of explaining this out loud so that you know, people listening to this on the podcast can kind of follow along if they've never come across the concept of chord twins before. Another common pair of twins is E minor and its twin B7. If I move that cookie cutter shape over to the other strings, then I get B7. One shape of the hand, two chords. And not just two chords, but two very strongly related chords that allow us to play and sing songs that we love. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. And that's what makes chord twins so kind of uh, mind-blowing, is that not only are they ergonomic, but they're also really practical. So, I mean, that's sort of booster uke in a nutshell. And for those of you who are teachers, especially, or absolute beginners, um, this is just a goldmine, right? It's ways of playing meaningful chord progressions in the easiest possible way. So that it's, it's very, very gentle on the hand, but it takes the ear into places that it didn't think it was going to go so soon. I mean, that is the fun of Booster Uke. And there's a part in Booster Uke, if you've taken the course, where we look at false positives. <laughs> and what I mean by false positives is when you have what you think is a twin pair of chords, what you think are twins, but they actually don't turn out to be twins. Let's look at an example of of chords that you thought were twins but aren't actually. If you take G7 
a chord that most of us know and love. G7, it's very tempting to want to jump that over to the other strings and get this chord, which I suppose would be a F sharp minor. These are both really nice sounding chords. But they don't really go together. They, there's not a lot of songs, at least none that I'm aware of, where you can play, you know, Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you mourn. Yeah, okay, they're two nice chords, but they kind of exist in their own worlds. They don't really go together. They're like not so much twins as they are just like random strangers who meet in the street and realize they kind of look similar, but they have no genetic relationship to one another. And that's what false positives means in Booster Uke. But there was a question that came up um, just recently that got me thinking. And it got me thinking about not dismissing these false positives, maybe leaning into these false positives. Because Booster Uke has been such a revelation for so many people, not the least of whom was me. I mean, I always love teaching Booster Uke workshops. It's like one of the most fun things to teach because it really is like magic. It's like doing a magic trick. <laughs> and when you get somebody playing those first few pairs of twins, it really just opens their ears and their life to so much more music. And then we sort of mention false positives as kind of a like a footnote, being like, oh, and by the way, some of them look like they're going to work, but don't. And we move on. <laughs> and that's it, you know. But this question that came up just recently from, um, from Zach in Eutropolis got me thinking more about false positives. Chords that are ergonomically related, but not harmonically related in the way that we traditionally expect chords to be harmonically related. So Zach is saying, hey... Uh, James, he says, I found a simple pair of chord twins that work pretty nicely. And here here they are. He's wondering what to call them. This is how the conversation started. Um, he's saying, here it is. I start on A. This is a chord that uh, many of us know. This is 2, 1, zero, zero. And those are the names of the frets from the ceiling going down to the floor. You can play along with me if you like. And then he said, I'm going to take that A, which is a chord I know and love, and then I'm going to jump it over toward the floor by one string. And I'm going to get this. Zero, two, one, zero. It looks like an A chord played wrong, right? It's like bumped over one string. But it actually sounds really nice. Now, he's wondering, what is this thing that I've discovered? Zero, two, one, zero. And then uh, Zach and Barry and I were sort of going back and forth, trying to figure out what this thing is. And we said, well, it's sort of a substitute for D minor. I might call it uh, D minor add G 
uh, over A, I think I called it. <laughs> and we're really stretching here. We're trying to find a name for this thing. Barry was saying I would maybe call it the the um, ad four or ad 11. Here we are just kind of like jamming ideas about what is this thing? And I'm not sure that we really came up with a, a satisfying, uh, you know, name for this thing. But the point that really caught my attention about Zach's comment was that maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe these chord twins that, that are kind of um, on the fringes Maybe they just have an intuitive appeal um, that goes beyond, you know, naming them. I'm actually going to grab my low fourth ukulele because I found that um, playing this one, the, the the Zach Twins, on the low fourth string, I was just playing around with this uh, a few minutes ago, and, and I really love the sound. Doesn't that sound amazing? I don't know what all these harmonies are. And I'm kind of okay with that. And this, in a sort of counterweight to Booster Uke, opens up a new door yet again. A door that says, let's just navigate the fretboard intuitively and ergonomically. And let these sort of uh, fringe twins, let them guide us into places that we normally don't go or that we don't let ourselves go. what the relationship is here harmonically. And you know what? Secretly, I don't really care. I just like to sit here and play these two chords. Join me if you like. Play these two chords together. It's an A chord, and then jumping the A chord over by one string. Whatever that's called, it really does sound nice. especially with the low fourth string. So here we have an unexpected discovery that doesn't fall inside the box. This very tightly constructed box that is booster you with no escaping air where everything works out perfectly and everything can be explained. And then um, outside this box, we have these fringe twins. And this is just one example. I like to just play them and then sort of noodle around. Kind of my own little private flamenco concert. Very meditative and calming, I find. Um, maybe not the kind of thing that would work in a big group of people. But boy, does it work nicely when I'm just coming home after work, trying to relax, and I don't necessarily want to play a song from beginning to end. I don't really feel like playing a Beatles song. 
I just feel like having kind of like a sound bath. <laughs> uh, in these cases, playing chords that I don't fully understand actually helps me to get further into this musical zone that I'm getting into here. Because I stop trying to understand what they are. And I start just feeling my way on the fretboard. And that's a really nice thing to do occasionally. Let's see if we can find uh, another one. Um, and really, I am truly just stretching out here. What I'm looking for, I'm literally just feeling around in the dark. And I'm feeling for um, like a two or three finger structure. I like this one here. That sounds good on the third and fourth strings. It's a very evocative sound, that one. And that also sounds good when I move it down onto the middle two strings. Okay, so I think I found one here using these very simple geometrical shapes. Here's the one I found if you want to play along. Uh, seven, five, zero, zero. Those are the names of the frets from the ceiling to the floor. Seven, five, zero, zero. Zero being the open string. I have no idea what this is. I don't know what to call it. I don't know what the root note is. I don't think anything about it. This is a blind date. And then, to see if I get sort of a bonus out of this, I, I move those two fingers down toward the floor by one string. And I get this. So it, it's nice sounding. Zero, seven, five, zero. And then I always like to hum and mumble. <laughs> Usually when I'm on my own, not on a public live stream like this, but hey, we all got to push ourselves. I'm taking one thing and by twinning it and not worrying about the music theory behind it, I'm discovering an, a new pathway. And then I start to hum and mumble. I love it when um, two chords go back and forth just in a sort of a, a binary way. Either I'm on one or I'm on the other. But over top of that binary back and forth the, soars this single thread of melody that continues over several back and forths of the chords. And this, this melody just arcs over top of the whole thing. I've always found that a really satisfying um, musical form. That's why I'm humming and mumbling these long notes to sort of connect to connect these chords in a longer phrase 
You know, that to me is really fun. I don't normally do this publicly, but I do it a lot behind closed doors, often sitting in this very chair. And then, um, as I feel my way toward a melody, my next thought is, I think about lyrics. And uh, I know this can be a big stumbling block for people, and, I, and I'm not saying you have to write lyrics to practice your ukulele. I'm not even saying you have to hum and mumble the way I am, although I really encourage it. Hum, humming and mumbling is, is, uh, can be really liberating. It can be a real um, point of discovery if you've never done it before. You just have to allow yourself. That's why I call it hum and mumble, because, you know... Humming is just so, um, it's so um, protected from the outside world. You know, if I said, la, 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 you know, that, that's big and forthright and open and exposed. But humming, I love humming. I'm still behind closed doors. I'm st- the, the door to the, my study is still closed. I'm not really totally committing to a melody. I'm just humming. It's a very private thing, humming. Um, and if you're, if you're at all intimidated by starting to write melody, um, I think hum- humming is a great way to go. Okay, but one step further than that is to write lyrics. And I'm not going to sit around here and tell you how to write lyrics. That's a very personal thing. I will say, go to the used bookstore, grab a few old books. I usually get ones that are like, um, that are sort of bite-sized, <laughs> like literally. I could fit this in my pocket. I'm holding a book right now that is called, it's a lovely book with a little um, ribbon down the middle for a bookmark. This is called The Case Book of Sherlock Holmes by Arthur Conan Doyle. And uh, I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. And when I saw this in a used bookstore, I grabbed it because it looks so cool. It's got this sort of gold paint on the edges of the pages and it feels nice and it's small. I can take it anywhere. I can stash it on my desk. And whenever I need some lyrics for an exercise like this, I literally just open the book to some random page. Let's see. Uh, That may prove quite enough said Holmes grimly. Now, Mr. Bennett, we shall, I think, come to some conclusion tonight. If my deductions are correct, we should have an opportunity of bringing matters to a head in order to do so, blah, blah, blah. I love sort of this era of um, of book <laughs> because they, we don't really talk like that anymore. And so... For some reason, I find it makes really good random lyrics. That may prove quite enough, said Holmes grimly. That that may prove quite enough, he said. That that may prove quite enough. That's kind of... Um, 
uh, unruffled this. It was also the report given us by Mr. Madden. He heard from his London correspondent today. There was a letter. There was a letter. I like that. There was a letter. That may prove quite enough, he said. There was a letter and it said... I'm also getting some, like, accidental rhyme happening. Mm, and it said what it said. <laughs> oh, now I'm rhyming, I'm rhyming said with said. Very creative. Um, but I'm getting something here just by randomly opening to a page. That's page 207 in the casebook of Sherlock Holmes. That is fun. And the point is, I don't know what I'm doing. Another thing you can do is um, change between tunings. Like that was the low fourth string, and this is the high fourth string. And that one we were just doing doesn't, ah, it just doesn't land quite as well with the high fourth string, but other things do. Um, no. Whoa, <laughs> I've never played that one before. Ooh, that's so nice. The thing with the high fourth string is it gives you so much melodic interest. It's so accidentally melodic. If you live in this middle section of the fretboard, look at that beautiful chord. I have no idea what this is. Zero, uh, six, seven, zero. Again, I'm working with two finger chord shapes. And if I jump that over down toward the floor, zero, zero, six, seven. This allows the open strings to stay in play. I'm not covering all the strings. I think that would take away some of the magic here. One, two, and, and maybe three finger chord shapes. This one that we get to, I actually do know what that is. That's a version of C7. I've come across that before. But this guy, that I don't know what that is. It sounds like the beginning of some kind of little instrumental. You know, I would just mess around with that for minutes and minutes. This is called noodling. Noodling. I, I mean, how many times have you been in an ukulele workshop and people like me stand up at the front of the class and say, now, whatever happens in this class, there shall be no noodling. No noodling allowed. Well, people say that because noodling isn't great when you're all in a room together. That is true, you know. Unless it's a noodling workshop, which I would love to give sometime. I haven't quite been brave enough to do it. But unless it's a noodling workshop, then noodling is very disruptive. It's like it's like talking to your neighbor 
at the movie theater. But when you're on your own, noodling is the greatest thing ever. It's the way to shed the worries of your day and to to bootstrap yourself up into sort of like almost a different plane of listening. Um, sitting on the sofa and just noodling away and losing yourself in a little geometric move like that. This is what Lyle Ritz always referred to as the fruit of the noodle. I love that expression. So many songs that we now know and love and that we just take for granted came from noodling. So many melodies that we know and love came from noodling. These are fruits of the noodle, as Lyle Ritz would say. And um, this way of exploring fringe twins, where you take two fingers, put them down, and then move them over to the other two strings to see what happens. These are, these are like prompts. They're prompts for your ears. When you hear them, it's like, it's like looking at an inkblot test. You know, somebody's going to hear this and they will hear the beginnings of a song. Somebody will hear this. Ooh, that's another good one. And they will hear the beginnings of a song or an instrumental. But everyone will hear these sort of audio ink blots in different ways. That's your job, is to sort of follow the trail of breadcrumbs. That's an audio ink blot. <laughs> I like that term. Just came up with that now. Let me see. Uh, I am not. I, I love this. I love. This. I am not so easily altered," said the old soldier. "Ralph, do what I have told you. What the devil are you waiting for?" <laughs> this is page sixty-one. Hmm? I am not so easily altered. What an what an what a thing to say. We don't talk like that anymore. How can I put this down so I can still read it? I am not so easily altered, said the old soldier. I am not so easily just okay normally you don't do this in public i'm only doing this now because i feel like i kind of know you guys you know that i'm you know me well enough to know that i also have things that are very inside the box if you want to just you know learn the math of the fretboard I, I i don't mind talking about that but you know me well enough now to know that i also spend a lot of time outside the box and in these other um these other in-between worlds. And that's something that I'm very, very 
interested in. And I'm very interested in how we can bring our students, for those of us who are teachers, we can bring our students in, into these worlds that are between things. The, the world that is between the thing that you understand and the thing that is so unknowable that, that you can't use it. Booster Uke is very clear. It's very clear and understandable, and you can explain it. You can say why it works. You know that it works. It's fun, and it works every time. Something that is like, you know... That's fun and everything, but it's so unknowable that it's not that useful. There is an in-between world there that where you don't have full control over what you're hearing, and yet you're able to, like looking at an ink blot, you're able to make sense of it because that's what we do, isn't it? That's what our brains do. That's what our ears do. They pull things together and create a story, even at times, and maybe especially at times, when we don't know what's going on. And this in-between world is so fascinating and so rich. It's not a world of pure learning. It's not a world of pure wacky artistry or, or whimsy. It's, a, it's an in-between world, and, and I would love to spend more time there. Um, I always feel better when I come out of that bubble, when I've had a good noodle, <laughs> and, I, and I come back to the world, I always feel better. This is, a, this is a, the domain of creativity and wellness, self-expression, and the ukulele has a wonderful way of taking us there, a very approachable way of getting to that, that place that might otherwise be very difficult to get to. So once again, the ukulele functions almost like a, like, like a, like a skeleton key for accessing some of these places um, that might otherwise be off limits. So that is a very um, long and winding, not answer, but really just sort of uh, discussion about what Zach started and what Barry and I have you know, been talking about um, with regard to Booster Uke. And I wanted to bring that to you, lay it at your feet and say, you know, what do you think? What happens when we lean into these fringe twins and we springboard off something like Booster Uke into some very interesting and, and, and deep musical waters? Thank you, Zach and Barry, for the discussion. And um, for anyone listening, I hope you follow some of those threads and bump into new and beautiful sounds. Thanks for tuning in to the Uketropolis podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to check out one of the free offerings on uketropolis.com, which is called Peace Like an Ukulele. This is an open-ended composition that I wrote. It's a fingerstyle piece that is very meditative and beautiful and can be reassembled in infinite ways as you practice. It's very much a piece that takes you into that creative space that we explored today, and I encourage you to check it out. It's completely free at ukulelepeace.com. Enjoy, 
And until the next time, keep on strumming. Thank you.